If you want him, come and claim him. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby, and this week's movie is The Incredible Hulk. Um, Norton, not Banna, not Ruffalo, Norton. Norton. Norton? <laughs> Norton? Sorry, one sec. <coughs> How are you doing? Norton, Norton, Norton. We are in number six lockdown, Victoria, Australia. Yeah. I just had this thought that like, why do we think we're so great? Australians think we're so great. We're not. But then I was like, do you know why we're so great? Well, until now it was because like we have a pretty good, everyone has a pretty good life in Australia. (laughs) Like people have pretty good life. That's pretty much it. We don't have any great industry or like we're just, we we have we export coal, we destroy everything natural. But you know, people live a pretty good life until now. Bum bum. <laughs> so Australia's kind of over. Oh my god. The whole world is over, I think. <laughs> I told you. We were to I can't remember what episode we were was it Total Recall or something? And I got very like this is the first time I got like proper pessimistic about like like we're not going to make it to Mars because we're just, we're done. <laughs> it's the beginning of the end. One man will make it to Mars. <laughs> One man. How's your science life? I like this new thing that we're doing of like, how's your science life at the start? <laughs> yeah, well, we can just jump straight into, I was telling you about, um, I formatted a paper for a journal that my boss told me to format. And then he was like, it's a different journal, reformat. Well, he didn't say reform. He's like, oh, whoops, I meant the wrong journal. And then I mentioned to Abby that I use automatic referencing. So it's really not a big deal. And she was like, what's automatic referencing? (laughs) So basically, I use this plugin to word called Zotero. And I store all my references in Zotero and I can have an account. So if I have a new computer, I can import the library onto my account, everything like that. Um, And so basically, when I'm writing in Microsoft Word, and I want to put in a reference, I just put insert reference and then I insert it like, and it sort of puts mm-hmm. it in and then I can change the settings at any time to change the referencing style if I want. Yeah. And also like all these journals have their own referencing style, um, like file. So you can import the right. file straight into Zotero as well. So even if it's some oh, obscure okay. journal, they'll have a referencing style according to their journal. And then when you're ready to print out the bibliography, it just prints out at the bottom of the page in exactly the format that you want. And then you can just unlink everything from Zotero so that it's like permanently in there or keep it linked. And that way, if you add another one here, the numbering updates. So Zotero, who hasn't sponsored this, but um, (laughs) (laughs) you can sponsor us. I stopped using using Zotero because it crashed. Oh, well, Abby, I was trying to... I was just trying to get... What are you doing? <laughs> I thought maybe we can have something other, niche. Other referencing managers are available. Hi, Mendeley. How are you doing? 
Oh no, wait, I'm totally wrong. It wasn't Zotero. It was Mendeley that crashed and I stopped using it. There we go. It. But I do everything in LaTeX anyway, so I just use BibTeX. Yeah, I don't... I, I use the Microsoft Word because... I know why. Of reasons. <laughs> why do you... Don't laugh at me. I have people that Sorry. prefer it. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real physicists use LaTeX. <laughs> well, I'm not in physics anymore. I know. <laughs> I am sorry. I work I in a hospital. A hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different world. <laughs> um, I, oh, should, uh, do you know what? I'm just going to like bluntly mention this right now. I woke up with a cold today and I have my period. So as we go through this episode, if I'm a bit like, <laughs> I do apologize. I'm trying. If you burst out into tears, I'm actually feeling a little teary yeah. myself today. I was actually going to be like, this is a small chance I could get like randomly emotional. <laughs> so if that, if we both just start crying in the middle of the episode, like that's fine. Send we want you. Puppies, quick. <laughs> what? Yeah. Send us pictures of puppies. I've been crying at, um, like, do you know those... I don't know, uh, we have Telstra in Australia, but it's a telecommunication company and they have ads um, where people communicate things like, oh my God, it's like I'm trying on a wedding dress for the first time. My mum can't be here. Lucky for Telstra, she can be here in other ways. And I'm just like... (laughs) (laughs) I started following Upworthy and um, Good News Movement on Instagram and most of my time now I'm just like oh, but look but he did that lovely thing for that person isn't that so sweet oh my god <laughs> it's good times good times um can I tell you can I tell you a um random fact that I only learned in the last couple of weeks that yeah. is related to our Meg episode and Jatham yeah go for sure always happy to hear about Jatham Jatham <laughs> was an actual professional diver like as in diving sport and he represented great britain in the commonwealth games in 1990 as a diver oh my god i've been watching diving all day <laughs> today I this? i've been watching diving <laughs> all day today because it's the olympics it won't be on now when the episode yeah. comes out um but this is australian guy who's a diver listen to this so <laughs> he's been diving for like three four years and he used to be an acrobat, but he was one of the acrobats that gets thrown. You know how there's always like the little guys that get thrown? <laughs> and the commentator was like, and then he got too big to be thrown. So he switched to diving. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. And I tried to repeat it to my partner. I was like, and then he got too big to be thrown. And then he changed to dive. And my partner was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> It makes no sense. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I was like, you know, in the circus, there's always like the little guy that gets thrown. Yeah. That's what you had to do. They're, um, oh God, what is it? The the flyer and the base. What's that? There's the person who's the base and there's the person who's the flyer oh, in acrobatics. you know, yeah. you do circus arts. Yeah. So he's the flyer and just went from being a flyer to a diver. <laughs> Totally works. Love it. Because when you said like he's been diving for three or four years and I was like, and he's at the fucking Olympics? What? <laughs> like, All right. Okay. That makes more sense now. <laughs> it's 
Switching it up. <laughs> uh, and he's got a great name. You ready? Yeah. Cassiel Rosso. Ooh. And he has like six siblings. I don't know. This guy just seems great. And he has long hair. All the other divers have like, you know, very short cuts. They're very serious. And he has long Australian hair. And he's always like flipping it back before. I know. Flipping it back before the dive. Super casual. And it just like launches (laughs) off these beautiful dives. Like (laughs) Cassiel Rosso. I can never do that. I'd be terrified. What? Diving? I'm up too high. Yeah, I'm not letting go. (laughs) I was actually thinking like. To get to that level, do you know how many belly flops those people would have had to do? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just think about it. Or how many, like, back flops? Sorry, the Tom Daly stuff then. The British guy sitting in the stands knitting. Tom Daly just came bronze. <laughs> he just came bronze in the one that I watched. Oh, cool. <laughs> he is so good to watch. And the knitting, I know. It's adorable. <sighs> um, <clears throat> shall we get into the movie? Yes. Yay, and uh, as I say this, Frida, so I haven't looked at my notes since I prepped them for the episode. I didn't do a quick review, and I may have just noticed that I might not have written a summary. Yeah, amazing. Uh, we, yeah, we, we prepped these notes, and then Frida got sick, and so we've postponed the recording, and neither of us have looked at, like, we're both pretty <laughs> removed from the film, so... <laughs> I mean, okay, so, right, <laughs> basically, in the entire opening sequence, we get the Banner backstory, and he turns into the Hulk, mm. and then the movie opens with he's on the run. Okay, I assumed, right, Banner. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's trying to, so he's on the run now, and he's trying to find a cure and figure out, okay, can I stop being the Hulk, please, because I don't like it, and I want to go back to my pretty lady girlfriend, Liz. And he meets this guy online, you know, as you do, who's like, hey, baby, I can fix it for you. And he's like, cool, I better go back to the US. So he does, uh, meets his girl, turns into the Hulk a couple of times, causes a lot of destruction. Army dude gets like super jealous because he's, hey, I want to be that big fucker. Uh, Takes a lot of drugs and tries to be Hulk-like too. There's some more fighting Cure kind of works, then doesn't work, and then he just has to be the Hulk forever, and he walks off. I mean, that's pretty much the movie. That was, um, like, very impressive. It, it's very confusing that his name is Bruce Banner, and Eric Banner played Bruce Banner. So when you said it's the Banner yeah. backstory, it was like, uh, uh, uh. gotcha. <laughs> Dr. Banner. Not Banner. 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 Um, how do you feel? What's your, what are your thoughts on our third Marvel movie? Yeah, it's a good movie, but I just, Mm. the Hulk, I've always found the Hulk to be a bit much. (laughs) It's like the rock guy from the Fantastic Four. It's like too much, too far. This is too much. Too big. Too much. <laughs> too well, much destruction. That that it's like on two levels. One, it's too much. It's like okay, as far as like superpowers go, I'm like this is too much. But then also <laughs> the fact that it's like so big and like so destructive, and you can't possibly like, it's just like so destructive. It's like this is too much. That's sort of my always been my feeling about the Hulk. Like, okay, <laughs> like who thought of this? 
Like, <laughs> who thought of this? Why so big? Why not just a little bit? Like, I get the whole Jekyll Hyde thing. Yeah. But this is just like it a is not, Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't help you because the Hulk does continue to feature in Marvel. So <laughs> I'm always like, I just felt with the Hulk. I was like, mm, you had me until the Hulk. Also, if you think the Hulk is too much. Ooh. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. Wanda. She's a lot. What? Wanda? Where did Wanda come from? I don't know. I feel like she's can do anything. Like people that can do anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't really know what she does. <laughs> but also we'll he's just we'll like so big, so green, so strong. It's like, uh, yeah. But at least he's a kind of a normal green though. And he's not like a um, neon green. Why would he be neon green? I don't know. Isn't it like, isn't the Hulk always just a little bit more neon-y? Oh. I feel like with these movies, then they started to make toned down the the intensity of the green and made it a little bit more um, palatable. Yeah, maybe. Well, so they're kind of, they, they're with me a little bit, maybe. It's a bit much, yeah. bit much. It's like, yeah, from the co- the comic book, maybe it's like, mm. I'm looking at the little light that shows you the videos on on the MacBook and like that's the green from the comic book (laughs) right exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) I quite like like I like this movie but it's it's just a bit it's a weird one be purely because it's one of those situations where it's part of the Marvel package it's part of the phase one and um it it comes into the the order of watching but because it's not a Marvel Studios movie. It just always feels like it's not one of them. You know, some, one of these things is not like the others is mm-hmm. kind of how it feels. But I do enjoy it and it was nice to revisit it because it's when I rewatch Marvel, I don't always rewatch the Hulk movie. But it was kind of nice. So and what I did like about it was uh, I liked the cast because I am a very big Edward Norton fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever since Fight Club, I've thought he was great. And I do quite like Liv Tyler as well. So do you have any any thoughts on them as as the cast before we get into them later as the characters? Mm. Yeah, I was really into Ed, Ed Norton. Like, I feel like he's a little bit disappeared, but... Back in his, when he was like really big, I was really, really into him. I liked him a lot because he's, he's sort of like, and it's similar to Mark Ruffalo in a way that he does his sensitivity on emotional depth very well. Even when the yeah. character, maybe typically if played by somebody else, wouldn't have an emotional gravitas, he still manages to lend it. And it's always, it's always good to watch. I like him. He's quite... Yeah, he he has an ability to appear very vulnerable. Yeah. Do you know, like you do, you see that with him as as Banner throughout it. It's like there's a vulnerability in him that does make you kind of go like, oh, you feel bad for the guy. Which is and so important. Ruffalo, yeah. You have, yeah, like, exactly. in order to take the Hulk, you have to have the Hulk be vulnerable somehow. Otherwise, like I said, it's like too much, too, too. Yeah. If someone's too invulnerable, then and now that you say that, it's like, he can't be hurt um, physically necessarily, but in a way you feel his emotional distress and the distress that is being caused to him. Yeah. And you do yeah. feel that. He's not invulnerable in that sense. And that that's really important. And I think 
having someone like Edward Norton be able to provide that is key. Yeah, true. Do you have any other thoughts on the cast? Yeah. Else you'd like to bring up? Tim Roth, by the way, he's also like, um, he's his little. He's just kind of a yeah. little. Yeah, I love the small man syndrome aspect of him needing to be like bigger and bigger. <laughs> he plays that very well as well because you kind of hate him <laughs> for just being such a, because he does, he just, he's just such a arrogant little Mm. prick yes i i I have two people that i need to bring up first of all we have to bring up that lou ferrigno had a cameo yeah i saw that on your notes and i decided not to look it up because i don't know what you're talking about oh so lou ferrigno played the hulk in the original tv series okay um he's very famous for playing the hulk and he's very famous as well for playing in in movies in later movies um, for being the one who played like the Hulk version and then so another actor would play the Banner version kind of thing. And um, he oh. voiced the Hulk. So he did the voice of the Hulk for this movie. But they also just had him have a little cameo as a security guard. So when, when Banner's trying to get into the university and he brings the pizza in and he bribes the security guard with the pizza and that's Lou Ferrigno. And I just thought it was really adorable that he was just kind of there. Okay, there is one other cast member that we have to talk about, and I actually can't believe you didn't bring it up. I was writing for you. General Thunderbolt Ross. Who is? William Hurt. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. He's <laughs> <laughs> only our second William Hurt, first one being it Altered is. States. Yeah. His first ever movie. <laughs> is this his most recent one? Nah. Uh, well, not this one, but he does reappear in Marvel a lot. So he also reminds me a lot of Obadiah Blaine. Obadiah, Obadiah Blaine from Iron Man. Stain, yeah. Obadiah Zane. Stain. Stain. Obadiah what Stain. Words? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's like, because he's like this. Um, guys played by he's like kind of bad but he's also like played by like an aging actor that we watched when he was much younger and actually now mm. that i think about it the plot of this movie is kind of similar to the plot of iron man yeah it's it, so it's kind of like the it's kind of like a culmination of the first two movies you know we have like the slight bastardization of what happened to captain america creating the hulk and then you have that same storyline fight of the two large things and which one is bigger and will the bigger one win but the bigger one never wins even though everyone wants the bigger one it's always the bad guy thinks everything should be bigger and then the good guy <laughs> is like this is big I'm enough. smart and tactical <laughs> yeah <laughs> well shall we get into the themes then because yeah. this kind of brings into so i was just thinking about it in the way that because we're back in the world of weaponry and military funding. And there, it, this reoccurs a lot throughout these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Captain America, we had that attempt during World War One to develop super soldiers for the war effort. And then the Hulk in the MCU is the result of continuing that effort. Because it's power. It's like, okay, well, yeah. they lost the formula for Captain America, but we want that power. We need more Captain America. So we have to, let's keep going, Mm. keep going. And I know military funding, there's a lot of projects that they would look into and 
you know, there's a lot of bonkers stuff that kind of gets done just to figure it out. But it's all about obsession with power, being stronger, being bigger, being the biggest, the most. And wow. that's kind of where Hulk comes from. And then I feel like the actual representation of Hulk and the destruction that he causes is just showing you no matter how much power you want, it's destruction. It's destructive. And the bigger Hulk is, like the bigger the power that you manage to get, a ha- like get, you can't control it mm-hmm. once it's out there in the world and it just causes more destruction. And is yeah. it worth it in the end? Yeah. Absolutely. And in the Hulk is also, there's an extra layer of they're experimenting on humans as well. Or just sort of like what it did to him as a person and then he has to sort of be um, on the run from the people that made him. It's yeah upsetting. Well, because then there is, a, there is that second kind of side to it, as you said, of... of- Bruce Banner's story Mm -hmm. which then is kind of a journey of like self-control and acceptance like your life has now changed it doesn't follow the plan that you laid out can you like are you going to strive to try to go back to what it was or can you accept the change and move forward in a new kind of path Mm. that might be reading a little bit deep into it but Um, it does go through a lot of the control it is about the controlling the anger and controlling mm, that power and can you actually yeah that i think is like general about the hulk about anger control uh, overtaking you and that it can be Mm. good if you learn how to control it yada 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 this reminds me a lot of beast from x-men as well i feel like in every (laughs) in every like superhero universe i hate the word universe but in every superhero group, there's always, like, one person who has, like, well, I got angry. Or changing or, or just someone who changes so much the way they look that it becomes about accepting themselves or, like, maybe it's a metaphor yeah. for we're all beautiful, even if we're different colors. Wink. Or, you know, yeah. things like that. Like <laughs> We did talk, yeah, because we did talk about it a little bit with um, Captain America. I think I can't remember if, if I put it in or not. That originally when when the first kind of comic books were written, basically parents were like not really into it. So they made them educational. That's what they were called. It was EC, educational comics. So that's why they always would put in little stories and explain the science or the physics behind certain things that were happening in the superheroes. Oh, no way. There is a layer underneath all of these stories that is supposed mm-hmm. to tell you something about humanity. And and I do like that. I mean, I know that people see them as trashy and I know there's a whole snobbery to do with like, you know, Marvel movies aren't kind of good, valuable movies or whatever. But like, I don't know, I just think there's art in different forms and you kind of, you just look at it and you try to take the message from it as best you can. Or if you can't take the message, you just enjoy the smashy bang bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Comics are an old tradition. Mm. Um, yeah. Like using metaphor, like in that way. Yeah. It's sort of like he spends a lot, like the first bit of the movie, he's obviously trying to suppress. He's trying to suppress that part of himself through Buddhism or whatever he's using to find peace, inner peace. And then he realizes that um, that part of him has a place in the world. So instead of full suppression, first of all, that's so dangerous because then you're never going to actually accept and therefore cope with that part of yourself. Best to accept that part of yourself and learn how to work with it and learn how sometimes it's good and at the end it's like 
he uses it for good because there is a place in the world for all of this. It doesn't need to be suppressed all the time. And that's a, and that's a story of self-acceptance. Yeah, that's very well put. And I suppose all of these comics did kind of originally start, like, I mean, we had said Captain America came out during World War II. Um, I think it was the 40s. And like, so they all kind of originated around this time period. So I guess they're taking those themes from those stories. Oh, Abby, by Jews. By Jews. Jewish people uh, did invent these comics because, do you know, there's this Jewish tradition of the golem. The, go- the golem, uh, no. however people pronounce it, we say golem. But yeah, it's a Jewish um, a monster that was saved the Jewish people um, that was created by this mystic called the Maharal of Prague. <laughs> and he would raise this um, from like clay or mud. It was like this monster called the golem that would um, protect the Jewish people from prog- pogroms that were happening at the time. Pogroms were like, oh... There's a virus, it's scapegoat, blame the Jews, everybody go with your pitchforks and murder a bunch of Jews. So people, there's like idea of this golem. So basically after World War II, Superman and all these figures were written by Jewish people in America as these figures that would save the Jews or save people from evil. So it was 100% linked to the Holocaust and linked to this tradition of the golem. Yeah. That's amazing. Look it up. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. See, this is what you're here for, people. Learning. Yeah. Um, uh, that was my favorite story, The Golem of Prague. Like, when I was little, those were my favorite stories. Like, we'd read, like, uh, picture books, and it was, instead of comics, yeah. it was like, The Golem Saving the Jews. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I lost it. It went missing at one point, and I remember being so oh, sad no. about it. Yeah. Great stories. Oh, we, we just had like the, I, I remember having a book and it was about banshees in Ireland. Banshees. No, nobody's saving. It's the, it's watch out, she's going to get you. <laughs> is banshee the one that, banshees scream and kill people, right? Yeah. 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 I love it. A lot of the Irish kind of legends, like, I mean, obviously there's like the, you know, the leprechauns and the fairies and all that kind of stuff, but a lot of the, a lot of those like Irish myths and uh, legends, I mean, there's, Stories of legend, like, you know, Cucullin and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is basically like, behave or she'll come and get you. The Banshee will get you. You're the Banshee now. Catholics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if the monster wasn't coming to save us. And I love that. Like... I love that Banshee is an ex-woman, I guess. Mm. And Banshees are also in the Harry Potter tradition as well. I love how all these things yeah. take from actual mythology. It's so cool. Yeah. So rich. <laughs> it legitimizes the whole genre as well, by the way. Yeah. Like it's hard to laugh it off when a lot of them are derived from like traditions that go back a very long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we've just discussed in the last few minutes. Like yeah. <laughs> Well, let's move into tropes. Bring us back to the Hulk. And Frida, what was your trope? I have too many, Abby. Have, oh, Jesus. <laughs> most of my contribution to the episode is happening right now. I have okay. four. Um, so you tell me what you want me to do with uh, that. Uh, just, 
Okay, I'll give you mine and then you just go for it. Okay? Right. Because I didn't really, I didn't write down much. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty in there, but I, I think I just, <laughs> the only thing that just drives me crazy, I was like, it's just the pants again. It's just the trousers. Like, they tried just can't so be hard. naked. And, and I know that, and then they brought in the whole stretchy pants. They and tried. I was like, well, at least they tried with the stretchy pants. But like, there's no way those stretchy pants are still going to fit them when he, like, it's just stupid. And then fit, like, they don't, they don't, they don't have that much fucking stretch. So yeah, I was just like, come on, man. Yeah, he's too big for that. If they made him a little bit smaller. <laughs> or just come up with a better idea. Like maybe, I just maybe had a like thought. stretchy but huge jawstring. Drawstring. I just Go had on. a thought. A dirty thought. I was like, firstly, I was like, imagine if he was just naked. And then I was like, oh my God, how big would his... <laughs> yeah. Would his That's probably why he can't be naked. Because it none of us can handle it. <laughs> It's like that guy from that episode of Sex in the City, the last episode of season two, when Samantha picks up a guy on the street, and he's huge, <laughs> and he ends up being huge. <laughs> That's like the Holocaust, sorry. But it, not in a good way, it's bad. Sorry. <laughs> there oh is a size God. limit that's appropriate. <laughs> well, how did we... So okay, redirecting enough. back. So, Frida, you've got four tropes. Let's go. All right, number one was the days without incident. At the bottom, the writing. Days without incident. That's just a thing. That was a bit... It's tropey. Yeah. It's dramatic. Number two was spying while holding a newspaper. Sorry. He's like fake reading a newspaper and being like... Like, why don't you just cut some holes out there? Um... Number three was haircuts. Why is it always... Okay, there's always like a haircut scene. There has to be some scene with a haircut that the female character is like cutting the male character's hair. Do you know how to cut hair? I know how to cut hair. But these females... No, I've had to learn in the pandemic. But when I say I've had to learn, I just get the razor and we just go eight all over. And then I just try to to buzz it evenly. Clippers. Yeah, I, I, I help my partner with clippers too, but she's doing a scissor cut. And it's like yeah, that, no. I've decided, trope, haircut. Yeah. Getting a All haircut. All women know how to do haircuts, apparently. <laughs> All women know how to do scissor cuts. But what's this bit where you have to be like, we just need to explain how his hair got short. So let's... Or, or it's like signifying him not being in a rut anymore. Like, it looks good now. Haircut. And she's going to do the haircut. Because he can't go to a hairdresser. Yeah. All right, my main trope. This is my actual trope. Okay. Okay. Give me a minute. (laughs) Okay. My trope is Liv Tyler cheek scratch. (laughs) She's surrounded by death and destruction, but all she's got. It's a little cheek scratch. And it's a trope because she had this same cheek scratch in Lord of the Rings. If you want him, come oh. and claim him. She has a tiny scratch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Liv Tyler has a cheek scratch. <laughs> the trope. I was writing down all my tropes and I was like, so many tropes. And when it, when it got to the cheek scratch, I was like, oh, that's my trope. Do you think it's just because like she's just such a 
beautiful complexion that you couldn't possibly <laughs> like there's something in her contract where it's like you're not allowed to fuck with Liv Tyler except for you can do it in that same place, place because it was already done there so it's fine <laughs> I feel like she's some sort of like you know mythical goddess type creature where it's like you can't Left you can't cheek. remove her life force uh, only scratch me in a way that enhances my cheekbones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and draws attention to how even the rest of my complexion is <laughs> uh, she is too beautiful she is I mean I feel mean like I don't mean that in a mean way <laughs> but she just is ridiculously beautiful mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> them's my tropes Liv Tyler cheek scratch stretchy pants there you go <laughs> right uh, let's get into some science stuff then Uh, Starting with the environment of the science, we have some science in action here where we've got three labs, three different types of labs. We've got the home chemistry lab, the swanky military lab, and then university lab in an office. (laughs) My personal favorite. Weirdly is probably the most realistic. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, I mean like in oh well then I guess like the swanky military lab. I don't know, even with a lot of military funding, how swanky is the lab really gonna be? But uh university lab definitely like, you know. <laughs> well my it's thing not... about that is like why well, he has so many things that are just so specific. Like he has a dia in his lab he has a dialysis machine and something that can electrocute people like he has a lot of stuff to do a very specific thing everything boxed up around the place it's all like there's zero like it's what even is this it's it just randomly in the office the only thing that i did feel about the whole thing so before wait before we get into this because it's the only thing i really have anything to say about but uh do you have anything that you want to say about the home chemistry lab scenes or the or the military no, I don't have anything to say. I enjoyed them. I thought, I mean, I, I was like enjoying the ride, and then just at the university lab, I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> the home chem, all well, those scenes with the home chemistry stuff. Um, it was one of those moments where I was like, seems legit. I'm not going to question yeah. things. This all looks great to me. Yeah. Uh, looks I, don't know. I guess he is a scientist. He's got a couple of PhDs. We'll get into that. Oh. Um, he so yeah the let's let's talk about Mr. Blue's lab for a minute then because I did like <laughs> there's madness to it but then at the same time what I will say the one part that I'm gonna say something positive about it because when he has to kick the equipment to get it to work I was like <laughs> we are absolutely Frankensteining tech in our lab like funding is sparse you have to like you have to be smart about how you're spending your money and you got to make stuff work where you can so electrical tape and super glue are a lab girl's best friends absolutely (laughs) i was like yeah kicking it seems legit totally (laughs) (laughs) it was actually a great scene like I was questioning overall, like no, yeah, I mean dialysis machine. It, what? It's a whole lot of shit. It's a dial- I've got it's like a dialysis machine <laughs> in his office, but um, overall it was how good big- fun. Also, sorry, how unrealistic is that that his office is that fucking size? It's crazy. But we've seen this a lot in movies where like lab and office seem to be thoroughly confused. Yeah. It's my science space. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it exactly. It's the same thing as what we say about the um, 
the jack of all trades scientist, you know, just the science guy who does everything. It's the same with the lab space then sometimes. It's like, it's just the science space. It, it all <laughs> happens here. It doesn't matter. Everything. <laughs> this is my space with, it's just what I get. This is what yeah. I've got. <laughs> but then, completely fucking randomly, they walk into another room and there's suddenly this like swankified see-through storage places with all of the blood in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, what? What is this? That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> That Why did we suddenly we went blood? from like the janky stuff yeah, to like... into like suddenly like a really swanky like medical lab? What the fuck is happening? Just next door. Who are you? <laughs> it was crazy. Any other thoughts on the um on the lab before we go into the scientists? Mm-mm. Okay. So scientists. We have three people here to talk about. Very good. So first thing first. Edward Norton playing Dr. Bruce Banner, a mild-mannered genius with multiple PhDs in nuclear physics and biochemistry. We then have Dr. Elizabeth Ross, who is a cell biologist. And we have Dr. Samuel Stearns, aka Mr. Blue, who is also a cell biologist. So how do we feel? Um... I have just a comment about Bruce Banner. Well, I have mm. a little bit on each of them. Okay. Let's start uh, with Bruce. I liked it. I liked him a lot. Yeah. First of all, his character. He was great. <clears throat> I quite like him. I think he's very... I think he's, you know, he's a bit nerdy, but he's not too nerdy. No. He's normal. Do you know, he's quite normal. Yeah, he's just like mm-hmm. a normal guy who's pretty smart and does science. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I was like, yeah. cool. You're, Normal yeah, people. you're a scientist. I believe you. Mm-hmm. What about um, Liv Tyler, Dr. Ross? I don't want to be unfair. You know, Uh-oh. she's just so no, no. I don't want to be fair. Like she's just so beautiful, uh, but she's just so beautiful. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. She was very sweet. She's very sweet. Why is she yeah. always stepping forward into everything? Whenever there's like terrible action, she's always like stepping forward, like some virgin sacrifice. Did you notice no. that in the movie? No. She always is like steps forward into the action and puts herself in danger. It's just, I don't know. You maybe it's that. because, yeah. Maybe, uh, I kind of just read that more as like she's she's there to trust. Yes. Like that she trusts him. You know, she yeah. she's not afraid of the Hulk. She's the one person who's like, yes. I I know who he is and he won't hurt me. And I know that she does it a couple Bruce times. is in there kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I really liked her as yeah. as a scientist character because I actually felt that I thought that what they did with her costuming was very good. Uh, like what? She did little pussy bow ties? No, what did she have? I just, can't remember. Just, she dressed the way that like I think women dress in academic roles. Not necessarily, not all women, but like they didn't do that thing where they sexified her. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't yeah. put her in high heels. They didn't put right. her in little skirts. They didn't put right. her in fitting clothes to like show off her figure or or make her, like they made her the kind of, I know they made her very much like the good girl next door and that's a very kind of Marvel tropey thing of the female characters. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of felt like, yeah, I would believe that a, like that uh, an academic, a female academic would go into university wearing a blouse and flat shoes and um, and an A-line skirt. Like I just, yeah, do you know, so I just, right. I just, yeah, I didn't look at it. It, was, it wasn't it was necessarily that I was like kind of going, oh, 
all women, all female academics dressed like this. I more didn't notice mm-hmm. that they had forced something out of her. I more was just kind of like, oh, yeah, she seems normal. You're so right. Yeah, she happens to be very beautiful, but like they didn't. It just added to the tragedy of it. You know, she's got this whole like tragic beauty thing. But you're so mm. right. I didn't notice her wardrobe either. It was just like she was dressed pretty well. And there was one scene when it was like very rainy. I think it was it might have been the scene when she was out on the date with a modern family guy, which was that was all yeah. great. I really yeah. liked her her like oh. romance. It was just it was very sweet and it was a good scene. But when she was like in the rain and she was wearing like this white blouse, I was like, mm. Of course. Of course. She has to be in this silky white blouse. It's pouring rain. And I'm glad they didn't focus on that for too long, but it was just like I had yeah. a little panic moment in right. my head. I was like, don't do this to live. Don't yeah. don't do it. They did it. They did it. They didn't like linger on a like a wet white blouse. So I was really Yeah. And they did and I do think I think I felt the same with the costuming for them all. Because I felt the same about Bruce Banner, just like normal guy, just jeans and a shirt. And same with Dr. Samuel Stearns. He was wearing a nerdy t-shirt that says science magnet and I so many physicists I know walking around rocking these types of t-shirts like so I was just like yeah he kind of just had this like dorky vibe about him that was a bit like you know he's super excited about his research and he's Mm. super into it and stuff but um the only thing with him was like he was the irresponsible scientist yes I thought it was a little more curious than cautious (laughs) he was like the science gone wrong kind of um cautionary tale hmm. i actually thought it was a little much he was like it's so beautiful my creation science. Yeah, he, he was a bit dr frankenstein <laughs> i know i was like be normal mate be normal yeah he was he made up for the fact that those two were kind of normal yeah and he had a little bit of science speak, which I just wrote this down because he was like, if we overshoot this by the smallest integer, which I was like, which is one? One is the smallest integer. If we overshoot this by one. Like, I just love the excessive wordiness of that. What you saying to say? Integer is cool. Integer. Say integer. I know. When, when we were watching, he was like, if we overshoot this by the smallest integer, we, we looked at each other. We were like, one. That's, that's what that is. Uh, yeah um, yeah he was a bit a little bit much it was just a little bit too yeah but he had to be the kind of because he was the he had to be the slightly the slightly evil doctor in all this like marvel type stuff the the mad scientist you know so he was a kind of he was a mild version of the mad scientist yeah wasn't completely like freaking up in a cave cackling okay because he was introduced a bit later in the movie as just like he's the science guy it almost gives the impression that like this is your base this is your your scientist is like this mm. is what they're like because 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 it wasn't like about him he wasn't the villain he was just like right. the science nerd that they've been talking with and you meet him and he's like i'm so consumed about my science i can't be normal i forgot about people i don't have feelings i just care about science and <laughs> yeah but there but, people are there are people out there like that. There I'm are thinking. but there are scientists out there who are like <laughs> very very consumed about their science that they just can't function in any other type of social or it might be 
or it might be a trope it it might be some but the amount of representation of that kind of scientist in movies is like a bit excessive oh yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) so we agree (laughs) yes (laughs) great (laughs) but we had the other two and they were nice (laughs) they were nice but shall we move into some actual science Mm mm-hmm okay so we'll start with what the story is here because the I do like that it wasn't the origin story. They didn't just redo the origin story again. They kind of gave you the after the fact of like what happens to Bruce after he becomes the Hulk. But because they don't give you the origin story, they don't really explain scientifically what has happened to create the Hulk too much. So basically what Banner is recruited by the military to work on a top secret project that aims to create a formula for radiation resistance. That's what he is mm-hmm. told. But in reality, the serum is actually a replication of Erskine's super soldier serum from Captain America. And the military are looking at using gamma rays instead of Vita rays that were used on Steve Rogers. I don't know why. Um, maybe I kind of assumed that maybe it was like the whole thing where only Howard Stark knew how to produce Vita rays. So they're like, well, anywho, somebody out there will correct me on that. So I'll just stop talking about it. Gamma radiation is the form most deadly to us and that's because these rays have high energy and can penetrate our skin damaging our cells. So if we think of things of like radiation therapy um, which is intentional gamma radiation but then there's accidental which would be the side effects of nuclear bombs and the like and then we also have cosmic gamma rays that come from the cosmic background radiation but there's not enough gamma radiation from that that would do you any damage. So it kind of seems that General Ross wants to, is convincing that he wants to provide some sort of immunity to gamma radiation so that they can use it to activate the super soldier serum. But the basic idea of what's happening with Banner is that he doesn't really know what he's working on. And I just found this kind of interesting, this idea of secrecy, like top secrecy within the military and secrecy within research, (laughs) like that you could be working on a project, but not actually know what the end goal of the project is or really understand what the direction of the research is going in. And then, so I was wondering, like, how do you feel about the kind of need to know aspect of science? Have you ever experienced it? And do you think it hinders the ability to conduct the research? I've definitely never experienced it, but it does remind me of something, which reminds me of something that actually just in this movie, I thought, you know, when they they don't tell Tim Roth what he's chasing down. Yeah. And I was like, tell the guy. Yeah. I was just, tell him. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's it's top secret, but I mean, like, can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, face face with the Hulk and you're like wait what yeah it, but it reminds me of um this is so random but I really love the tv show medium but that that I know that actor who uh I think but that actor um he is a, a aerospace engineer and this is whole episode about how he's designing something and because it's school holidays he's brought his daughter with him and his daughter's just sort of drawing in the corner because his children are all psychic the child sort of picks up on what they're actually working on and she draws oh. a picture of a a, a, a a missile, you know, going to a bunch of people and people be like, oh, she's like, that's what you're working on, daddy. And he's like, no. Oh, <laughs> and she's like, she's wow. like, yes. And it turns out she was right. Like they were working to a little microchip that was going to go in the, the, yeah. the head of a missile. 
uh, interesting episode. But I think it must happen actually quite a lot. Um, yeah. It, do you know what? I when, when I was thinking about this, I have... Because do you know the story of the original, the first laser? No. So what? the story is Towns was the guy who made the maser. And he had this idea for, oh, you know, we've done this with microwave, ra- microwave radiation and maybe we could do it with light. And there was this guy, Gordon Gould, who was working at the university at the time doing his PhD. Towns had a chat with him and was kind of like, oh, I'm thinking about if I could maybe do the maser, but with light. And they talked about optical pumping and blah, blah, blah. And then Gould went off and he wrote up the specs for what the first laser would be and got funding from a company from the government to develop the laser at the same time that Towns and Schlalo got together and they started developing their laser. And then basically what happened was the idea was out there. It got published. And because the idea was out there, everyone was trying to make it. Then turns out Gould had some connection to communism. I can't remember what it was. One of these, like it's back in this day, you know, the, like the fifties, kind of time where it's like a really tenuous connection thing but it meant that they wouldn't give him the security clearance to work Mm. on the project so the whole thing is going on where you have a bunch of scientists that are trying to make the laser based on Gould's idea and he's not allowed to contribute so they kept having to come out and go to him and say so it's not working but they couldn't tell him why it wasn't working or what what like they couldn't communicate with him this is the thing that we're struggling with. How sh- how do you think we should do this? So he would just have to kind of, they might come along and say like, oh, this part isn't working. And then he'd just have to give them a bunch of ideas or just randomly wow. say, oh, maybe we could try this or maybe we could try that because they wouldn't give him the security clearance to actually work on the project. Oh my God. I, that's a fantastic story. It was, it, I remember reading that story I just being that. absolutely madness. So then, of course, they didn't make it. Maimon was the first one to actually produce it using the ruby. But, like, um, it, it's just fascinating that, like, they could have done it, but because they wouldn't allow him the security clearance to actually work on the project, it delayed them so much and they couldn't work through the issues and the problems because they couldn't, they weren't allowed to talk to him about it. It's just madness. It's a great story. There's, there's, there's such good examples of, throughout the second half of the 20th century. Clearances of people not getting yeah. clearance for certain reasons. It's great. It's just, yeah. So I wanted to share that because I just thought it was really interesting great. about this idea then that like Banner could be working on a project and not really understand what the full ram- ramifications mm-hmm. of it were. And then I was kind of looking at it from the creation of the Hulk and what I did find interesting was just reading a little bit about what gamma radiation would do. And what it does is it causes double stranded breaks in the DNA, cutting it up in different places and causing a process called chromothrosis, which is basically chromosomal shattering. And then in the reassembly process is what would create the Hulk. But rather than intentional modification, like it was in Captain America, What's actually happening here is this is a mutation. Wow. This is all really interesting, by the way. (laughs) 
Well, it's just, it is because it also explains what the difference between why why Bruce becomes the Hulk versus why Steve Rogers became Captain America. Because in Captain America, they just figured out how to activate his genes and how to enhance them and, and you know, turn on certain sequences and allow for, turn on certain genes and allow development. Whereas in the Hulk, it's, you know, this, the gamma radiation caused a mutation in this modified DNA. Yeah, and then Captain America, it's permanent. And here it's like, the expression of it, the physical manifestation, it's not permanent. It kind of comes and goes. Well, so so this is it, right? Now, the thing with the epigenetic modification, as you said, so it can turn genes on and off and it is reversible. But genetic mutations are not reversible. So he has to have some kind of regenerative power in his cells that will allow him to survive these traumatic transformations, mm-hmm. which he does. And that's when he can't die because his cells are regenerating so quickly that nothing can kill him is gotcha. basically what kind of mm-hmm. happens with the Hulk. Yeah. Whereas Steve seems to be able to get injured, but then heal better than somebody else would. Whereas the Hulk just seems to just be kind of like, yeah, I'm indestructible. Um, so I want to talk about anger and control mm-hmm. for a minute now the story originally as well goes that Bruce suffered abuse from his father as well as witnessing his mother's murder by his mm. father so it stands to reason that he has some anger suppression going on in his life before the gamma accident and I guess the main analogy in the story then is that Hulk is the physical manifestation of Bruce's yeah. rage which he struggles yeah, to keep under control. And he control. has a lot of it. So what I found interesting was that when we think of anger, we think negatively. And you brought this up a while ago. But anger also serves positive roles. Because when we get angry, it's because someone has violated our rights, which then allows us to react and stand up for ourselves. But the problem that people have is when you allow anger to control you. And that kind of is what the general story is here. Because anger then does have an effect on your mind like it's you know tense guilty easily irritated feeling humiliated which i think is a lot of why people respond with with a lot of aggression is like they also feel embarrassed about their aggression Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so then the thing was do you know what the physical effects of anger are on your body well is that sort of same as stress i think so yeah well, I don't know if you have like a prolonged amount of time where you're exposed to whatever is hormone or whatever's happening in your brain. Does mm-hmm. it have some sort of long effect on your health? So like, I mean, just in terms of like your, what your physical response is when you get that level of anger is like tightnesses in chest, you get like sweating palms, mm. um, shaking, trembling yeah. and increased heart rate. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So the guidelines, it seems, for getting anger under control is to, you know, develop your emotional intelligence so you can understand where it's coming from. And then using breathing techniques, exercise and meditation to help you manage it. Which brings us into Hulk's attempts at anger management. Which I found really interesting, just those scenes of his just, you know, the he was basically, it seemed like he was using meditation to try to just mm. find ways to take control. Yeah, that was one of my favorite um, parts of the movie. What were they doing? They were kind of, oh, they're massive, they're like deep abdominal breaths. Mm. 
I just found that kind of good and hit. Was he sort of like hitting himself? I, I can't remember exactly, but I think yeah, I think the hitting I think was trying to like was just the testing of the triggering. You know, mm. it's like is is your how close to the surface is your anger? That like if I hit you lightly, are you gonna boil over, or are, are you able to keep it under control? No matter how close to the surface it is, because with Bruce, I think it's always very close to the surface, right? And with a lot of people with anger management you know, issues or anger problems as well. Like, I mean, it's a very real situation for people that have that level and you just have to find ways to try to control your mind so that you can manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find that there was a little bit of a contradiction for me that I was a bit confused about because I was like, is it anger or is it an increased heart rate? Because if it's anger that's triggering, surely he can have sex. Oh, very good. I can't get excited. He's sort of like, I can't, yeah. 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 I was confused by that because mm. I was like, but the whole thing you're saying is about how angry. You have yeah. to keep your anger is under control. Like, rage? are you telling me, I'm sorry, you're going to get angry when you have sex with Liv Tyler? <laughs> it kind of destroys the whole idea about it's his, and you're saying his backstory, his anger, he's got rage, he hasn't controlled his rage. What has any of that to do with sex? Yeah. So I think that what Shouldn't they're actually anyway. saying really is that, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah that's the thing so I was like was a bit bummed out by that scene because I was kind of like okay well you're you're being a bit contradictory here but I think the idea was that like it's the focus is on both his heart rate and his emotions and I did read somewhere else then that what the actual trigger for the Hulk is is that it is the release of adrenaline and that makes a lot more sense okay so saying that, that is... the when the adrenaline is released, then that triggers the mutation mm. process. It would How just... it does that, I'm not okay. entirely sure. And because the anger is close to the surface, it happens a lot, but it also can be released by other things. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the physical aspects of the Hulk for a bit. Go through mm-hmm. some of his... Um... The Hulk himself, as a superhero or a monster, whatever your take on it is. Um, I did have some questions about like how he would function and stuff. So I went looking for some answers and I can't promise that I found answers to everything. But, you know, let's start with green. Why do you think the Hulk is green? Radiation. (laughs) That's the color for radiation. Like in The Simpsons. Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. I was thinking, I wrote down, I was like, I was like, maybe they're trying to make him look radioactive and it's a bit Madame Curie radon vibe kind of thing. Like, that's just what you think. You think, ah, radiation, science, glowy sticks. But uh, there, I did find a guy at Stanford who actually said that there's a pigment in the body called biliverdin, which is what causes the green tinge and bruising. Say what? Bila- so, biliverdin. Biliverdin. Okay. Yeah. So it's what causes green uh, in your bruises. So Ah. he's kind of saying like basically when the Hulk has this huge expanding surge, like maybe his body just becomes just one huge bruise. And that's why he's green. Love your work. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now we mentioned this a minute ago. Let's talk mass. Mm. Every time he becomes the Hulk, he's creating and destroying mass, it seems. Can you think of any way that this could work? Well, I, I reference it is MC squared old mate. Well, yeah. is that <laughs> what the answer is? Yeah, I mean, well, the, I don't have a real answer. I'm just guessing. We're just, we're spitballing here. And yeah, I was kind of <laughs> like, well, yeah, because it does. Because I mean, we do like, there's, you know, obviously the, yeah, Einstein E equals MC squared. And then in natural units, that means energy is equal to mass. 
So I was like, okay, cool. So he's basically converting the gamma radiation energy into mass. And the radiation he is apparently harnessing. So, okay, actually, this is good. Because then I was like, okay, so where is this? Where is the extra radiation coming from that he's able to convert it into mass? So, energy. How much food do you think he would need to fuel him? Oh, come on. But that's being used somewhere else. We know where that's being used. To stay alive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tell me how much food. Go. Okay, well... So yeah, no, so he's not he's not eating because there's a great YouTube video that talks about this and he's saying that if the gamma rays are causing mutations in his DNA, then maybe he needs to have a radioactive metabolism rather than the one that we would normally do, normally have with food, where he metabolizes gamma radiation from the cosmic background radiation rather than an internal food source. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can it. see you I, you started out with kind of like, oh yeah, cool, interesting points. And I can see you gradually going, oh, this is getting more ridiculous. <laughs> harness the, ha- what is people, what do they think harness? Harness it, like, I don't know. Suck it from the air. That's like carbon capture. That's like carbon capture and storage, by the way. That's where they get the idea from for carbon capture and right. storage. They're like, the Hulk, the Hulk harnesses generation from the th- air and use it to turn it into mass so too we can take carbon from the air and (laughs) (laughs) anyway okay so speaking of let's talk about his strength for a second okay because i was trying to figure out how strong he would be because he throws a forklift truck like it's a tennis ball But because of everything we've talked about, about the harnessing of the gamma radiation and that the adrenaline surge and that the, the transformation depends on like what, what the triggering effect or the trigger, triggering event was, uh, the Hulk has the potential for infinite power Stop and it. his power grows exponentially with his rage. Exponentially. Exponentially. Not proportionally. <laughs> Just say, um, this is when it gets to the territory of of is too much yeah so like the more angry he is the stronger he is and you can't really quantify his strength because if he's just running around converting gamma radiation energy into mass and power what can i tell you <laughs> <laughs> there'll be no there'll, there'll be no energy left in the world he's harnessed all of it so the last thing i just wanted to bring up was the cure and i don't really have much to say about it to be honest uh, but just that it was cure. a supposed potential cure. Uh, in the scene in Mr. Blue's lab where he is cleansing the Hulk's blood to try to cure Banner, what he's doing is he's running the blood through the dialysis machine that everyone has in their offices at all universities um, and mixing it with the antidote, but it will only take effect when he fully transitions into the Hulk. Why do you think this is? I don't know the answer. I'm not asking you as like some trick thing to say like, oh, well, this is it. I'm genuinely saying, why do you think he has to fully transition before the antidote will take effect? Because it's active and it works against oh, okay. the active thing. Right. So if he's not fully transitioned, then there's still cells that haven't what do mutated. So they won't receive it. So then it wouldn't. Oh, uh, okay. That's my assumption anyway. It works against whatever active thing happens when he's in that state. Yeah. 
the it was a cool scene. Down, the mutated scene but it too. made such a cool scene abby yes it did it really did and then the but, fact that the machine didn't work at that second you're like of course it was just good it was like tense <laughs> tense exciting <laughs> and that's where he does the kick and it was like yep yep <laughs> yep sure sure Cool. Uh, in the end, though, unfortunately, he doesn't know if he neutralized the mutating cells or just suppressed them. Um, and we have to wait to find out which one it was. And of course, it was suppression, which seems to solidify that the Hulk gets no cure and is the smash monster here to stay with us forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know, as we know, suppression is not the answer. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's the Hulk. You did such a the good job. The Incredible Hulk, rather, not the Hulk, not not Ang Lee's Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Speaking of <laughs> Ang Lee, yeah, his movie Eat, Drink, Man, Woman is on Netflix. It turned up today, and I watched it immediately because it's so good. <laughs> Watch it. Sorry, sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> he's got, he's very varied. Let's just say Breakback yeah. Mountain. Well, he is the yeah. Hulk. Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. It's crazy. Sorry. That's all right. So, yeah, so we were we're three into our Marvel journey. That's going to take, I don't know, seven years. Fifteen hundred years. And that's with the ones that we know exist. I know. There's going to be more. That's okay. But, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just, I think it's just like we're still in origin stories, but it's going to be interesting when we start to kind of look at movies that as they grow and develop and like. I just I like the idea of just talking about these characters as they move along. But shall we end this episode as we like to do with a what the fuck moment? Yes. What the what the what the fuck? <laughs> Frida. What is your what the fuck? What the fuck fire clap? What? The fire clap. What was the fire clap? The, f- the clap. When he clapped at the fire. Okay, because the, the helicopter crashed and I was like, in this movie, it didn't explode. I felt robbed. And then a minute later, <laughs> it goes on fire. And then he goes, he does, he claps. And I was like, who what claps? The Hulk. At the helicopter going on fire. He claps and I he totally does this big clap. This. And it swooshes the fire away from them because their helicopter basically oh! explodes. So he claps and then all the, the, the fire just goes away because he just claps it away. And he said, uh, I what thought the you meant he was giving it an applause. I'd completely forgotten about he that clapped. scene. He clapped like there is an ex person, ex, ex man person. So fucking sexist. He's, there's an ex person in X-Men number three. Who has a uh, who has a clap, and and right. we don't know what she does, and there's all these like random. It's like that movie's pretty bad. There's all these like just random people with random powers, <coughs> and whatever her name is, Arcline. That's what her name. Out of nowhere, Magneto's like, Arcline, use your shockwaves, target those weapons, and she's like, Ugh! and all the weapons get smashed. Yeah. I was like, whatever the <laughs> fuck that did. So this is similar. Uh, he clapped, which is a thing that he can do. And then the fire, uh, and then he saved them. So, it's because his clap was so forceful. He generated enough wind to, to oh, yeah. blow out the fire. Yeah, yeah. 
forgot which about he knew that. was gonna happen the whole time because he <laughs> he knew yeah because he's been practicing <laughs> yeah that was my what the fuck okay and what was yours my lady oh god um how the fuck did he get back to the u.s <laughs> he can't even get into the university without id but he got into the u.s <laughs> he walked firstly with nothing he walked to the u.s apparently and the u.s well known for their welcoming status of of people walking into their country um was like yeah come on in it's fine and then he got to the university and they're like no id please so yeah i was just, i was just like what 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 is actually happening here oh it's a classic <laughs> i i the, there's always funny i think in um in pearl harbor doesn't he take a train um to england oh, i never saw that movie <laughs> I think that's the movie where he like takes a train from America to England or something. They just don't explain it. <laughs> someone, someone help me out. It's a thing. Also in Hannibal, uh, the, the movie like Will Graham like takes Sales boat to 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 Italy from, <laughs> from America. He like sails to Italy. Just 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 like movies live in this land where travel is is completely like just easy and accessible to everyone <laughs> like, it's just like was it he was in fucking brazil like he walked from brazil he to, walked uh, to columbia university was it it's like come on man it's like new york is columbia new york or washington or something i don't know anyway anyway that's it that is the hulk uh, final verdicts did the movie did the movie did the movie pass the Sam's test? Um, uh, no. Well, no. But no, I mean... there was two female characters, Max. Like, there's just Liv. And then there was that girl that he kind of rescued from the rapey dudes in the drinks factory. And that was it. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I had a comment like... The, <laughs> the hot welder. I'm sorry. The hot... They're like crazy hot welder. I, I wrote a hot welder. I mean... <laughs> That was too much. He's like, yeah. So, the one woman he rescued, the other woman he, who was just like, I can't help it. I just love this man, even though he's fucking dangerous. But like, but I, I, I will bring it out in him. He won't hurt me. Like, okay, lady, stick with Phil. Phil, Phil Dumpy's good guy. He likes you. Um, did it pass? Here comes the science. There was so much science. I liked it. I wanted to say, yeah, why not? Yeah. I don't know. Why not? I mean, like, real science, no, but fake science, totally. Yeah, if I the fake science, there's just so much of it. Yeah. And it was so specific. Um, it was just, like, really specific shit. Taking the blood. Final verdict? Blood. How many hulks? Hmm. It's definitely above a three, if not a three. It was, like, a, it was solid. I liked it. I, I, I'll say, yeah. like, 3.2. I was giving 3.5. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was yeah, a, it's a good one. It's not, I have to manage my thing because I have Marvel movies that I'm like are fucking amazing. Uh, but it was a yeah. good movie. I really like Edward Norton. Really like Liv Tyler. Really like R- <laughs> Will- William Hurt. <laughs> if you want him, come and claim him. <laughs> cheek scratch. <laughs> the queen of the sh- okay. cheek scratch. <laughs> queen of the cheek scratch. Right, we are at the end. That is the Incredible Hulk. Do you 
have do you have anything what the fuck am i saying do that again do you have any hey do you have anything man hey man do you have anything i have a real itch do you have anything um okay what's the next that is movie? the incredible is hulk what is the next movie frida is it is it a goofy movie that's coming up just yeah, checking it's a goofy movie it All is right. See, I've never seen this, so I don't know. It might not even be Goofy, but I think it's fucking Goofy. And so I chose it because Patch Adams. So can we just, let's just do that one. Oh, Come on. That's Robin Williams, right? Yeah. I think that's a good movie. (laughs) We're going to do Patch Adams. I think it's fucking goofball. Isn't it based on a real story? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, is this goofy or not? Oh, wait, sorry. Happy to revise. Patch Adams. Because I think it's a bad movie. Let's look up at the IMDb. Oh, okay. (laughs) I've just seen 22%. 22%. (laughs) Because I think it's a terrible movie. Because it's terrible. Oh, okay. Oh, that's sad if it's a real person and it's Robin Williams. That, but that it's really bad. Suck. Imagine if you're like, yeah, you can do a movie about my life and Robin Williams can play me. But it's oh, it's be... got a really high audience score, though. It's got a terrible critic score, but a really high audience score. It's going to be the, it, it was like the movie that everyone was like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It. Okay, cool. So Patch, Patch Adams it Adams, is. Because it's uh, really bad. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, That's it then. If you'd like to join us in two weeks' time, please do for Patch Adams. Give us a rating if you have time and subscribe to the podcast on whatever your chosen player is. Uh, what is next week's um, mini-sode? Fuck if I know. Are you joking? <laughs> I no fucking idea. No, I think it's, I think it's um, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. I think it's Ready Player One. It is. It is Ready Player One. <laughs> episode four right yeah cool well done (laughs) you thanks for listening if you'd like to get in contact you can email us on scienceofthemovies at gmail.com or catch us on instagram at science at the movies you could try us on twitter at movies underscore science if you want but we are terrible and never use it (laughs) (laughs) bye bye bye